and one, two, three, four, five. Welcome back to the TMCJ podcast. We are on episode 81. No, 83. 81 was a while ago. You fucking idiot. You I... fucked it already. Start again. The Put st- lines on the board. Whip. The stupid thing is I was thinking 83 in my head and I said 81 out loud. I don't know how I managed to do that. Well, we're setting the tone for this already. And, um... So we've got we've got a few different topics for you this morning, and most of them, all of them, pretty much everything. Filled with hatred. All of them are going to be quite negative, so just just be prepared for that. There's going to be a lot of rage and ranting in this thing, but to juxtapose all of that, I'm going to start off with a very brief, positive thing. We said at the end of the last movie night video that went up that... There's a potential that it would get copyright struck and we would have issues and it wouldn't go up on time and blah blah blah. Is this a positive? I know where this is going. (laughs) It did, but Netflix, surprisingly, is the fastest one yet to remove the copyright strike. It got copyright. Can we get a round of applause for Netflix? Come on. Just congratulate. I mean, you you have a bunch of shit content. You had that weird thing with dancing children, but yeah. At least you took down the copyright strike fast enough. We need to start doing an award ceremony for the fastest people to uncopyright our videos. That's true. I mean, now that we're actually putting stuff like this up, yeah, the first, what was it? Uh, so the the longest one was the trapped in the closet one. They mm. they actually never lifted the strike. YouTube it just timed out, and YouTube lifted it automatically. And that was our most viewed video. <laughs> it still is. The My cousin Vinny one took like a week. Um, Disney just struck it but didn't restrict it so basically disney put ads on the video and that whatever um but yeah netflix just a day and a half it was gone anyway so you wanted to talk about amazon yeah i like how our positive note at the beginning i was a we hate this company less than other companies (laughs) very good of you sir (laughs) i did say that this was going to be a very negative segment uh, so sorry, we start off with Amazon. Yeah, yeah. Start off with your. Right, rant. Amazon's a piece of shit, right? You folks out there. Wait, did so, you wait, hold on? Didn't you get this through YouTube? Yeah. <laughs> YouTube's a piece of shit, right? <laughs> no, hang on. Was it YouTube? It was YouTube. Yeah. YouTube's a piece of. We love Amazon. Amazon's great. Everyone go and shop at Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> this is. I swear to God, I haven't been drinking. And all I got Um, was the episode number. um, (laughs) (laughs) Paint over that that placard, that picket. (laughs) It's YouTube we hate. Um, Yeah, God. So, as you're all well aware, I'm sure, because you all watch all of our videos, that we do a movie review, as we've just been discussing. Mm. And so we quite often uh, rent or buy films off of YouTube for convenience so that we can all watch it. Yeah. Um, and uh, E and I were settling down after a long day to watch a film. Uh, it was like ooh, 10, 11 p.m. We were exhausted. We were crashing on the couch. We rented a video. And the amount of money it cost is... Not important. It wasn't expensive. YouTube's not really expensive to rent films. But that's beside the point. So we rented this video. And then we went to play it. And it would not play. It just did not play. At all. 
And if I remember right, you tried it like you tried it on like several devices. Like she, you know, she tried it on like her TV. You yeah. tried it on so your phone. So we were trying to watch on TV, um, yeah. and yeah, it was just no go. And I I did the the good thing. I went through the internet. I checked like, can you? Uh, first of all, the obvious things: turning off, turning back on again, doing that with the whole TV, etc. Checking if there was any way of updating the software, which there wasn't. A whole bunch of other little steps, and then in the end, I was just like, "Right, fuck it. I'm going to call YouTube's hotline. Someone in Australia will pick up. It's probably their lunch break." And so I did that, and some rather sarky gent picked up the phone and uh, essentially told me that he could not refund the video and despite me saying look I'm not go- we're not going to be here like tomorrow so there is no point in us just having it for a few for, a, for an extra week or two because we're not going to be here so it's pointless we just want the refund, thanks, and we'll just do something else, which I think is reasonable. Do you know? Yeah, it is. It's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's the basic expectation when you're when you're dealing with a company that sized. Like maybe hmm. if it actually, you know, I. I it's weird because the expectations are reversed. You kind of expect that from a company that big. Like you've got all this infrastructure. Something if if something fucks up, you should be able to refund it no problem. Yeah. But in reality, it usually works the other way around. It's the small little companies that are the that have the best customer service, and these big giant companies basically are like, "You're only yeah. three bucks to us. Fuck off." Yeah. So, um, and let me just point out, I do not think that the Saki guy on the phone the the thing that the Saki guy did on the phone wrong was that he was being a sarky little git. <laughs> he had no responsibility for actually giving me a refund because I'm certain that he's just following a script training yeah. and is just saying, look, we have to wait a certain amount of time before we can refund you. Whatever. Has to wait two weeks and then they won't refund you. You have to call them again of your own volition. Assuming you remembered... And say, hey, can I have my three pounds back now, please? That I, I, I spent on a thing that never appeared two weeks ago. That, I feel, um, that's how a lot of companies, like especially subscription service companies, make their money. They make their money on people who forget. Because hmm. they're, they're counting on you not calling back in two weeks. Oh, I'm going to call them back. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I was particularly uh, displeased about that. Um, and it's not, like I said, it's nothing breaking the bank. It was just, uh, again, like I said, a long day, just wanting to relax, and it just kind of. Well, and you just wanted to the mood. to fucking work, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I know that that's that's a feeling I could definitely sympathize with. It doesn't have to be you know service like that. It can be like anything. Yeah. Like, you get home, long day at work, you want to do something on your computer. And for some reason, that's when, you know, it, it crashes or mm. something happens. Well, or, like, you, you... We could have just gone on fucking Netflix, which, I mean, now that we know they're very quick on their turnarounds with copyright strikes, maybe we will be attending <laughs> Netflix more. Um, yeah. 
but after that whole debacle, we were just like, no, nah, let's just go to bed. I can't be asked to do all this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It was like half an hour of just on the phone. Just fiddling with it. And at that point, it's like, what the fuck is the point? It's like, yeah. Well. <sighs> anyway, that was my rant about, I was about to say Amazon again, YouTube. So my, uh, <laughs> my, my thing, which Blue reminded me, um, that, that something happened in the world of entertainment this week. Um, mm. You know, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock at the Oscars. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about, well, that particular event, because honestly, everyone under the sun has probably talked about it at this point. I don't give a, I don't give a crap. Yeah. Other, I, I don't know. I, I blame Will Smith's wife. <laughs> but she, she was the butt of the joke. <laughs> Um, that's a bit fucked up. That's that's an angle no one saw coming. <laughs> See, I had a I had a fresh take, but no. What I want to talk about is who the fuck is still watching award shows? Oh, like, I know. Well, the, no, I, people watch them because they hope for another Ricky Gervais. Yeah, but he wasn't there. Oh, yeah, no. it, that's. But even that, like, I feel like, why would you watch? You're not watching it for the award. It's a bunch of... They're watching it for the hate. The same reason they're listening to this podcast, guys. <laughs> it's a bunch of rich people with the emotions of children handing each other little gold trophies. Like, who watches this crap? Yeah, so how long has it been since we've done a quiz, 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 quiz section? Uh, how long? <laughs> Wait, what? Why are you asking that? Is that one of the questions? Who's still watching it? <laughs> no, got little, little troops. Mind you, we're not rich, we're broke as shit well if i am <laughs> but the like i don't know it's like the the oscars especially like they're not even like oh talking about they're not rewarding good movies anymore they have like criteria for the movies yeah and they're not like criteria like you have to have like i don't know this film quality or you know, best actor, they, they must have, you know, met X, Y, and Z criteria. Like, they have to be in this these three highly rated movies or something like that. Their criteria, like, your movie has to... Irregardless of the story, they have, like, criteria. Like, you need to have X, Y, Z number of people. They're, they're diversity quotas it, it is what it boils down to. And not not always diversity quotas. I'm using that as a, a blanket term, but it's it's quotas for the types of people that need to be in the movie, mm. and they they don't care about the story. And the other thing is those those types tend to be based on American centric ideas. So, like for instance, something that won an Oscar and met all those criteria because it had a certain number of you know non american people it was it was a korean movie it was a south korean movie starring entirely south korean people yeah entirely in south korea and it won an award because it it met all their criteria because their criteria are based on american distributions of people anyway that's something that's annoying and honestly i didn't want to get too deep into that it's just award shows in general even when they were like at their peak popularity like my parents i remember watching them as a kid with my parents and like who cares i've i've never cared about the actors in a movie typically mm. like there's a couple actors that i know who they are but that's because like they basically just play themselves yeah like ryan reynolds from the last movie we watched you know yeah nicholas cage um sam jackson 
Uh, true, true. Like actors like that, they're just basically playing themselves over and over and yeah, over. Yeah, they have a, a their typeset. Arnie is always going to be a you know a yeah. badass motherfucker with a machine gun. Exactly. Or um, oh, what's her name from the Alien movies? Um, badass chick. Uh, oh God, how I've gotten Ripley. Sigourney Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. Her name in the movie is Ripley, isn't it? Ripley, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but her, again, she she played in several movies kind of just a you know a badass. I think she's done some other stuff. Has she done other know. stuff too? I, I, I guess I know. only know her from the Alien films. Maybe that's yeah, a bad example. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what people remember her from. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the, uh, the book in, I'm rereading again at the moment, the one that I want you to read real bad. The um, Bad Album one? Yeah. It's downloaded. I, I started it actually the other day. Oh really? Yeah, I'm I'm only like halfway through the first chapter, but I have downloaded it and started it. Okay. Uh have you got into the office? Mm-mm. Okay. Can I give tell you it's not a spoiler really cuz it's like really really early. Sure. Do you want to say what the book is called before you start talking about this? So the book is uh by Ben Elton. It's called Blind Faith and it's probably my favorite dystopian future mm. book. Uh, really fucked up. Um, Should clarify that this this ended up being like a um, not an entirely negative segment, just a negative first ten minutes, and now we're on to talking guess, about stuff yeah. that we like. Go I on. mean, dystopian futures are pretty negative, but <laughs> yeah, but they're enjoyable to read through. And we are a hundred percent going to do a book review on this one because mm. I fucking love it. Um, but no, in the, in the uh, in their their uh, offices, they have a mandatory quota to fill. Hmm. Uh, so they've literally got all the people working away like normal, and then they've got an old person and a cripple who just sit in the corner, and that is their job just to be there. <laughs> they don't work; oh. they just sit there. This, I I have um, I have th- that just reminds me of this funny story. So. Um, I was <laughs> a company I worked for years and years ago. Yeah, uh, it was being so I, I work in the pharmaceutical industry. So like we get audited, but it's not like a financial audit. They're there to make sure we meet like regulatory compliance. Mm. One of the auditors going through was telling a story about a uh, a place that he audited down in um, somewhere. It was somewhere in South America, and. Yeah. Um, and this was just like a perfect example of the differences in like economics in different places, like the value of different things. So like, for instance, the company I was working at was putting in an electronic system to manage the warehouse. <coughs> and, um, you know, so there's like a barcode scanner and stuff like that. And he was talking about this other company and he was asking <coughs> them, you know, do yeah. you have any intent to put a system like that? And they're, they're like, no. And he's like, well, what's your organization system for the warehouse? And it's like, a, you know, it's 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 all roughly organized, um, but they didn't have like a formalized system. And he's like, how mm. how like how do you find something? Like, we can find stuff very quickly. And they're like, okay, show me. It's like, you know, get this part. And the guy like um, picked up an intercom and was just like, oh, get this part. Six random dudes just scatter in all directions in the warehouse, and one of them finds it and brings it back. It was literally cheaper for this company to hire six dudes whose sole purpose was to run around and find stuff in the warehouse instead of actually organizing it or getting a computerized system. Now that sounds like some Squid Game shit. It was... 
It's just, just when you're t talking about this dystopian future where you two guys paid there just to do nothing, just to fulfill a quota. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like these six dudes were fulfilling the same purposes, you know, if they had actually got a computer in there and organized stuff. Um, <sighs> Damn. I mean, that can't be cheaper. That cannot be cheaper. It based on the so what they did was they just figured it based on the like the cost per hour. So like the 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 going wage for that type of a job in the region that the fat, the warehouse was located in, hmm. um, that compared to the amount they'd have to pay to license the system, maintain the license on the system, have somebody come in and qualify the system, and have somebody you know qualified to actually do maintenance on the system. All of those costs put together, it just didn't make financial sense for them to do that because they could just have these six dudes they paid like four bucks an hour to. That was it. I still think six guys though, Jesus. Yeah, it was just it was, I I I didn't see this firsthand. It was some guy telling a story about it. Um, but normally it costs so much more for me to hire six guys for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> YouTube, get off my back. And the other six dudes Thanks. as well. <laughs> he didn't say what those six guys were for, so I think YouTube should be fine. Mm. Oh, God. Um, this I is... Was... <laughs> God, just go, we're, just we're, go. We're, we're laughing a lot for what was supposed to be a very negative segment. Um, <laughs> well, we thrive on it. Yeah. What was the... Uh... Oh, crap. Was it speaking one of, of mine or one of yours? No, speaking of books, there's a oh. book series that I read quite a while back, and I, I've been rereading it. Not re It's an audio. It's purely audiobook. They didn't really. I don't know if they even released a written mm. version of it. Uh, oh, they, that's true. Um, are you reading the book that we were just talking about? Reading it or listening audio, to it? audio book? Okay, cool. Because he's quite good um, narrator. I thought. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm doing it through audiobook. The, but there's this series of books, which I thought there was only three of them, um, mm. and I read them a few years ago. They were, like, the perfect thing to listen to back when I used to take the train into work. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm just... I just... I needed something that was kind of just casual and enjoyable to listen to, and so I just... I had it on the other day while I was I was doing something around the house, and now I've already blown through, like, the first book and a half on Audible again. So the premise... It's a sci-fi book series. The first book is called We Are Legion, We Are Bob. And right. the premise of the series is... And it's it's a very, like... It's very casual in terms of its storytelling. Like, it doesn't try too hard to make complicated characters. It basically just... It has several archetypes. Mm. Like, the main character is, like, a nerdy, like, software engineer type guy. Um... You know, he start he ha he makes a startup, makes a ton of money, uh, sells the company, and basically is going to retire at like you know in his late twenties, early thirties. And uh, so he goes to a conference with some of his old friends and coworkers, and he's he's also signed up for one of these things where they'll like uh, you know when he dies they'll like freeze his head just in case they can like bring him back in the future or something like. There's a few people that have yeah. done this, a few pretty rich people. Um, anyway, he, he gets hit by a car in like the very first chapter um Fine. 
And so then he wakes up and basically he it's like a hundred years in the future. He finds out that like somewhere along the lines, there's been some kind of a big revolution in the country he lives in. And now it's controlled by like a religious government that basically says that you're not, you know, the, the heads have no rights and whatever. And so he becomes he's a digitized personality inside of a computer. Now, that's that's, again, just all the setup thing. He finds out that the purpose of why he's been brought back is yeah. to be the AI essentially for a space probe. And a, right. do you know what a, a von Neumann probe is? No. The idea is it's it's an automated probe that would go out to explore somewhere. It would replicate itself a bunch of times and then all those probes would go out. And it's basically it right. would keep exploring by going out like that anyway. So that happens, and uh, there's a, basically a space race going on, and a bunch of other nations on Earth are all trying to do it at the same time. He gets away just as there's a, basically a giant war that breaks out on Earth because they're all mm. trying to sabotage each other. Um, and it's just him going out through space, being this probe and duplicating himself. And so they're like a society of Bobs that are, because his name is Bob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some Hence of we are Legion. And, well, and exactly. And some of them go back to Earth and try to help the survivors of the war. Some of them go off and yeah. find aliens. Some of them just go off and do sciencey stuff and experiment. And it, the the story is actually really, really enjoyable to listen because it has a lot of qualities of like a D and D campaign. Like he's, they're developing newer technology. They're developing better ships. They're they're essentially leveling up as the story goes mm. on. Oh, um, that's satisfying when you actually see progression in a story like a, a technological progression uh, as opposed to people just being stuck on the same thing for however many books yeah it's just very enjoyable to listen to so by the halfway through the second uh book now you know they've got faster than light communication they're already up to like version four or five of the mm. ship um you know it's they've... like sorry no, it's it's fine. They've relocated some you know refugees from Earth after the war happened and stuff. So a lot of stuff has happened since since the beginning. It reminds me, and I know I'm harking back to a trope that we often hark back to, mm. is that in Death Note, mm. you see the influence of Kira grow over time, from being like one crazy dude on the internet believing him to literally the general public and nations of the world following him. And mm. seeing that steady increase in in power in wealth, yeah, is yeah. Uh, is very satisfying. <laughs> What's what you get in like a lot of stories will do? They'll talk about like a power curve. Mm. Uh, it's something that gets talked about a lot with anime, honestly. Um, and there's there's shows that take it too far, like Dragon Ball Z, which it's it's an exponential power curve, and it's just flying yeah. off the universe at the end of it. That that's what I always didn't like about some D&D sessions is that what do you do once you're powerful enough to fight gods? Well, that, that's a reason that, like, you know, people people love playing and they, they love the progression. They want to get more powerful. They want to get those mm. the cool magical items and shit like that. But once they start to get to, like, the serious endgame and they finish off, like, that main quest and they're these, these all-powerful beings, it's like, oh, wait... You want to keep playing because you've got like a god mode character now, but yeah, there's really nothing else left. Yeah, I, I want to care about this one NPC that's crying and all, but why bother? Because I can rule nations. <laughs> 
Someone just give her a mention and get her out of my sight. <laughs> or, you know, you're level 20. Just make a mansion. Fabricate it out of nothing. That's not, well, that's not even... Is that level 20? I thought that was earlier. That's like the level 2 version of Tiny Hut, isn't it? I have no you idea. You can get, like, waiters and food and for 20 people or something. Something stupid like that. Yeah, I don't, I don't play spellcasters. <laughs> I don't either, but someone was talking about it recently. Um, already on the D&D. Yes, oh god. You know what? We have said for so long that we are going to actually talk about D&D, &D, and then we talk about it at the end of a lot of segments, and then we never actually... Just talk about D&D. &D. a segment on D&D, &D. yeah. <sighs> Let's talk about D&D. &D. Alright, I played D&D &D last night, the Monday nights of the days I play. Yeah. Um, and I... So we were in this room, there's a bunch of wardrobes, they have pictures on them, you open them up, an enemy pops out, you kill it, and then a gate that's been locked, like a, it, you know, there's five what lights. What kind of pictures it? Uh, one of them was like a, a clock face, one of them was like a picture of like a battle going on between, you know, orcs and something else. Okay. One of so them- symbolic pictures. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And inside these are representations of other realms, and then when you open them, uh, something from those realms pops out. Mm. Very so we were, Narnia. Yeah, we were- like, a few of them were, like, there was, like, a big bone fiend evil monster thing. Mm. That one, we, we kicked its ass in, like, two seconds, because it was only one of them, and we kept knocking it down. Um, bunch of orcs popped out of one of them, but they all were low level enough that none of them could hit me. I played the party's tank. Yeah. Um, so I was just tanking three of them at a time. The one that made me feel really, really bad, when we opened the clock one, just this little little orb dude with like just a like basically like a clockwork thing with a one eye and these little wings on its head mm. it was adorable it pops out and it doesn't try to attack us like it just immediately tries to get back inside the wardrobe but it can't because it's like a magical one-way thing right and we're like oh, we don't want to kill it all right well let's let's go try to open the other one and the other one won't open until we've killed that thing right and <laughs> It's so like, effort, like no one wants to kill it. It's like, all right, I opened the door, and I, it's only got nine HP. I hit it once and do six damage. It was a very low roll for that character. Yeah. So I'm like, oh fuck, and I, I like cripple it with that hit, and I'm like, oh god, I feel so bad because it's like crying now, and they. Well, it's a machine, isn't it? Yeah, but it's it's like a living clockwork thing. Okay. Um. And so I hit it again, only this time I not only crit, but I do maximum damage to it on both of the crit dice roll. That's good, it means it doesn't feel the pain, because it is dead so fast. Well, the thing is, I wish I could have done that for the first roll. I felt so bad. God. Honestly, yeah. it, is, it is the favorite thing of a DM to make a party regret their actions. Um... Yeah. There has been uh, a character in my campaign which they despise hmm. purely because the NPC, I gave it a wonderfully irritating voice. <laughs> and they despise this NPC since day one. This session, this game has been going for like over a year now. Yeah. Like a year and a half or two. Um, and this NPC has given them like, has given them clout. He's given them just fame he's given them he's given them contracts before anyone else he's been really 
really nice to the party, and the party want him dead because of his voice. And I am, like, literally the other day, I laid all these things out on the table, and I was like, you know that time when your party member died, and uh, he was the one that gave you the contract for that? He was, like, beside himself and broke down by the grave, and he was on his own because none of you fuckers went to see him because you all just blamed him, and it's like, oh... I know it's really evil of me, but well, god, it feels so good to be a bastard. <laughs> when when your when your party is like judging somebody for something that simple, it's like, it's like come on, how how could yeah. you guys do this? Like, just you're judging him just because of his voice. Don't get me wrong, I played it the fuck up, but yeah. I mean, they did deserve it. <laughs> sometimes you know, sometimes the DM is like a stern father figure. You know, you got to teach your kids a lesson. Oh, no, my party, they have a father figure. Holy shit. One of the members of the party is the father to the rest <laughs> of the party. Um, I don't know if you have that in your game. I feel like in your game, you're all pretty evenly footed of... You're all a bit chaotic. A bit. So we we, uh, we do have defined roles, kind of, that we've worked... Because the game that I play in, we've been playing for close to four years now. Yeah. Uh, we started in, like, late summer 2018... And the reason it's taken that long to play through it is because because we all, you know, we all work and, you know, two of our people in the game, well, no, our DM has two kids, so time is is a bit of a, an issue. So we do like an hour and a half every week and we skip some weeks because people have other commitments and stuff like that. So that's why it's taken so long. But in the, you know, in the game, we've all kind of evolved into our role. Um... We've got our, you know, our fast-talking person who's, like, eager, like he's fine, but, you know, actually it's changed. Over the course of the campaign, the main, that person has actually, he got sick of playing the, that character. So he swapped it out for a nearly identical character that's the daughter of his other character. Okay. So it's just, it's, I think, some slight tweaks and changes and whatnot. But he was always, like, the fast-talker, eager to sign a contract, but always looking to cut a good deal. Yeah. My character is a archaeologist paladin who sucks at history and religion. Um, basically, got duped into the role by a god, and uh, now just thrives on chaos. Basically, I think one of the, Wait, the was it a good god or a bad god? Bad god, and now okay, like the mean. plot development Did you get piece. Paladins for bad gods. There is a way that we we set it up. You can, yeah. but the thing is, the way the it's written your god starts to notice you once you pass a certain level so if you're still yeah. using an evil one you might be forced to do some evil shit if you're still with that one so the way we handled yeah. it is now i i was lucky enough to choose an evil god that had a twin sister that was a good god and they're both chaotic and so now my character if he uses one power is getting pulled closer to the evil one. If he uses another power, he's getting pulled closer to the good one. The good power is less useful, but it it's less fucked up as well if I, you know, go down that road. Anyway, so that that's part of the, the chaos of that character. Mm. Um so my uh, character Yeah. Sorry. Oh. No, go on. But but that's what it is. So always jumps into the fray, always the first one in, and usually somehow has managed to not die so far, which yeah. Believe me, I've tried. There's um that that is always the uh the, the 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 order of characters that I like. Whether they're lawful or chaotic, 
it doesn't really matter. Mm. What I care about is if someone is neutral, right? That's boring. Mm-hmm. If they are good, that's a little bit interesting. If they're evil, that's very interesting to me. There is uh, two good characters, uh, three neutral, and one evil in my in my party. Mm. And I know you're not meant to, you know, choose your favorite among your kids, <laughs> but the evil one. Oh, I love um, just. Because you can. They're a lot more malleable to doing fucked up things that fuck up the whole party. <laughs> One of. Um, so, the party that I host. So, I, yeah. I play in one game a week and I host one game as the DM a week. And in that party, mm. most of the characters are neutral. I think there's one that's good who most of the time just gets bullied into shutting up. Hey, is this the one that you're in or the one that you're one DMing? That I'm play- the one that I'm DMing. Okay, all right. And in that game, I'll get back to the one I'm playing in. I know I'm kind of jumping back and forth here. Yeah. But the one that I'm, I'm DMing, the reason I bring it up is because of the evil thing. They've kind of mm. made an alliance with an evil noble house. And they're kind of... The only reason I'm allowing the players to justify their alliance with this, these people is that they are plotting to fuck these people over in the end and turn them over to the authorities. But they're kind of... They're basically playing the long game they're playing that we're deep undercover card yeah and um it's like okay you know i just there's there's there have been scenes i'm like what alignment is your character again because that's uh that's a yeah. bit sketchy um but that's that's kind of the way they've been going they're, they're skirting the line right now with evil um which i i have to try and police them a little bit but it has been very interesting to watch as the dm there is no such line in my in my. I will say when I DM, uh, I do the rule of unless you say it's okay for another party member to attack you, none of the party can hurt you. Uh, so you have to say yes, I'm okay with being attacked before they can do damage. Um, but <laughs> it's like they, they were uh, deep into this story arc and they had basically attack this uh, laboratory full of people doing uh, experiments on humans and animals and, like, merging them into one. Yeah. And one of the scientists didn't run away in time, so they grabbed hold of him. He was about to, was about to say everything. Mm. And then I, uh, I pulled the evil character into what we called the channel of sneakiness in Discord. <laughs> and basically she got visited by this, this, this war god who just, you know... It really says it's itself. Blood and for the blood god. Exactly. And she passes him a dagger and says, he doesn't say anything. You understand? Yeah. She goes back. And I don't even know how to say anything. We go back into the into the main room and the rest of the party's like, okay, so uh, what is it that you're doing here, scientist person? And then this little, she's, she's the, the smallest girl of the party as well. She's just like, hang on a second. I step up and cut his stomach open. And I'm like, Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, it was... There is... I always reward stuff like oh, that. What was it that just happened in, in one of the last sessions? So, some of, some of the other things they've done... Um, mm. One of the part... Speaking of making your party feel guilty... Um, 
one of the party, they they were breaking into like a noble manor at one point during mm -hmm. the story, and um, there was already a battle going on in there. Yeah, and one of the party members has an a bit like he he like there were dogs, there were bandits, there were guards, and there was a groundskeeper. Right. And I described what they looked like, but I didn't call them what they were because that would have been giving it away. Like they have yeah. to try and work it out there on their own. One of the party members completely misses the point and kills both of the groundskeepers' dogs. Completely ignores the bandits and moves on. And for the rest of the session, the groundskeeper was just weeping over his dead animals in the in the yard. For the I, I'm I'm glad he's fucked up, but. And so I was yeah. like, it's like I was I was hammering home. What you just did was fucked up. Yeah, there's there's consequences to this shit. Believe it or not. Yeah, um, I may yeah, bring there's... that guy back in the campaign um, and have him be an enemy. I don't know. And we're saying a lot of fucked up stuff about how we DM, but there are also a lot of positive things. the 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 thing is, the evil, crazy, batshit stuff is the stuff that sticks has in your the mind. biggest impression yeah yeah so um, you were so many good moments you Go. were talking about your policy being like the whole attack thing my policy when yeah. i dm is i will allow my players to attempt to do anything mm. but with the warning that there will be consequences mm. so for instance if i might give him a warning like if one of my players is like yo i'm gonna shank this guard like are are you sure? Mm. Um, then I'm like okay, and then they're they're a fugitive or something like that might happen, or like yeah. if one of my other characters is trying to like tackle another one in the party of the ground, he can do that. The other character will have to make a you know a counter roll against them, and then but the usually what'll happen is if it's something stupid, the rest of the party will self police and pull them apart and just like what the fuck are you guys doing? Um, see, see, I used to do that, but then. There were some times where I gave really helpful suggestions and they threw it back in my face. So I didn't give them any more helpful advice ever again. <laughs> <laughs> if they do stupid shit to an NPC, shit's getting fucky. Um, yeah, the last session they got attacked. <laughs> they got enchanted by a magical painting that makes you mm. just want to sit in the room and watch it forever. Oh, um, nice. Only one of them did, though. The other ones passed some checks, and then they had to, like, basically beat that character unconscious and then destroy and the painting. destroy the painting. Yeah, they didn't think of that. They beat the character unconscious instead of attacking. I didn't, I didn't give them any hints. That's what they did. Fucking hell. Let's see, what else happened? Oh, they also, uh, there's a very obvious trap, and one of them stuck their face in it, and it's this big goo monster that melts... Oh yeah, the, like the metal slime. wood. Yeah, 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 and it it completely. And the per, one of them is a a construct. So he. Oh shit! That's very bad. Yeah, it 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 melted. He has just passive AC, passive armor based on. Oh, you might want to explain what a construct is, by the way. Yeah, so basically, think like a de like a medieval robot. So it's it's like an animated machine creature, uh, essentially. Yeah. Um, like a training dummy come to life. Yeah, essentially. And so when this thing touched him, he was just losing armor that he was mm. never going to be able to get back. Luckily, his character had like some... He was wearing clothing that was fused to his body, and that melted first. Right. And then he never got near the thing again. But one of the other braver characters got in front and actually 
um, wrecked their quarterstaff, lost half their armor, but they killed the thing. I mean, if you ever see one of them, who the fuck doesn't just use get the magic dealer to do it? <laughs> I mean... Yeah, they, they tried a few things. They also threw an axe at it, which slashing damage Why? splits it in half. So now there were two of them. Fucking stupid. Oh, uh, there's there's a lot of fun stuff that happens in the, uh, those games. Uh, oh, also, before I forget, going back to the game I play in, you were asking what yeah. niches we all fit. So my character has, you know, evolved into the reckless tank. The one that, oh. like, so I, I basically, anytime one of my teammates is getting attacked, you know, my character tries to jump in front of them, um, does whatever he can to draw aggro. Mm. Uh, we have the, you know, the fast talker slash uh, persuasion slash contract person. We have the mercenary warrior person, basically our glass cannon. Yeah. Um, we have a druid that likes to burn trees and distrust everything arcane. Oh, that's like a one man. <laughs> he, yeah, he's a he's a firebolt druid, so he's like he believes fire purifies. The forest must be burned so it can regrow again. Um, I mean, technically, Ash is you know, but the the role he's grown to to fit is like the um, he distrusts everything magical. So whenever we talk to some kind of a godlike entity or like yeah. an undead or like a, any any kind of higher level magical being, he's just like nope, nope. Not interacting with this at all. Don't care if you have items. Don't, whatever. I'm sitting outside. To be fair, any enemy after level five is pretty much a magical creature. So these aren't enemies. Oh, okay. No allies that are of right. these these descriptions. Uh, and then our last character, which is a fairly recent addition, we have a gnome uh, artificer mm. who whose stats are obnoxious, yeah. like. He's he's got better skills in almost everything than the people who are specializing in them because he's an artificer and he gets all these bonuses to his skills and stuff. He also mm. has a little mini me like automaton that he has, yeah. and a turret called Periwinkle. Huh. Um, Why Periwinkle? I don't know, but oh. that's the name he chose for it. There you go. Um, but yes, yeah, so it's like we've all we've all kind of settled into a niche, and. Uh, been yeah yeah well maybe we could discuss more DD another time yeah there's plenty of stories i know you probably have a bunch and i know i've got oh, yes. most of mine are from when i i play because i've only dm'd a couple games mm. oh we could tell that story about the time you guys robbed the caravan they've heard that so many times now they've heard it in the game i don't know if we've talked about it on the no, podcast no we've talked about it on the podcast have we actually times, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. I love that story. That's probably why. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is a good place to end, though. All right. This is going to be the end of segment one of episode 83 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again momentarily for segment three. Welcome back to TMCJ podcast. We are on segment three, our wild card segment, and... This week, Blue has been continuing on from one of the movie nights that we did watching Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, which some people don't know was based on a book. And now Blue has been reading a few more of the books and Blue's girlfriend is in the background of his camera waving. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been 
I'm reading several books. There's two two more that I've read. I've just finished the second one. Well, the third one technically in the series. And there is four in the series in total. Uh, so I just finished Restaurant, the End of the Universe, and The Answer to Life, the Universe, and everything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they get a, w- a lot weirder than they than it is in the first book. I feel like the second one was kind of spoiled in the first one. Sorry, the third one. Answer to the Life, Universe, and everything. Wasn't that a huge plot point in the first movie? Uh, slash book? Yes, but they actually find... Well, they're looking for, the I guess, the question. Mm. To the Life, the Universe, that is, and That is catchy a title. Exactly. Um... And I think the fourth one's meant to be called Thanks for All the Fish. Oh, God. That's the that's the star of the whole show. Yeah. The dolphins. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we're going to just kind of uh, trot through the second and third books from yeah. what I can remember. Quick quick synopsis, because those were in the movie night videos and not... Uh, we didn't talk about it in the podcast. First one, um, random British schlub from the middle of nowhere, boring life. He finds out that they're about to pave over his house. Um, one of his friends turns out to be an alien. He gets whisked off. They hitchhike on a ship. There's a whole bunch of other shenanigans. They meet an old crush that he had that wandered off. I feel off. like I skipped over the fact that the planet got blown up. Oh, yeah, the Earth got blown up because Earth was in the way of a highway that was being built through you know space. Yeah. And a um, bunch of shenanigans happen. He meets up with an old fling who had run off with a very charming guy who turned out to be the president of the galaxy or something like that. Um, they eventually managed to solve some ancient puzzle and several other things and get the Earth restored because it turns out the Earth was actually a computer trying to solve a problem or solve a question. And um, they restore from the they use the backup one and then they go off and have adventures in space. That's the very very short version of the first movie slash book yeah so um and bear in mind this is going to be from my memory which is known for being bad mm-hmm. um so we shall see where we go. i mean it's it's random enough without my memory being bad but with it being bad it's true we could we could find a whole new un- answer to the universe and everything um 42 wait no 41 so they um, they're chilling on their ship and they are attacked by Vogons, and the Vogons are about to blow up their ship when uh, the Vogons are really confused because the enemy's ship, as in the ship with Arthur Dent, the president of the universe, Trinity, and Ford on, just isn't running away because inside the ship they're all fucking around, uh, like as you do, arguing or something, and. Um, no, sorry. Arthur Dent was trying to get the, the ship's computer to make a cup of tea accurately, and that was taking up the entire processing abilities of the ship, and so the ship couldn't move. Um, then uh, the the president of the galaxy, the universe, says, "I know. Here's a weird, crazy idea. Let's do a seance to my old granddad," and it'll just go along with it. And they somehow summon his grandfather in a ghostly form and his grandfather tells him he's a piece of shit and <laughs> that there's a plan that he doesn't know about but he did know about but then he like erased part of his mind yeah and didn't he, the granddad, he he chopped up his brain in the the previous one didn't he yeah he he sectioned off a part of his brain so that a he could be the president of the universe and b he wouldn't remember a certain part of the plan yeah um so his granddad teleports him and marvin 
just to a random place in space, it seems. Um, and he quickly finds out that he's in the building where the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the book, which we found out about in the first um, mm. book, is is written. And he is talking to an elevator that's really depressed and doesn't want to go upstairs because the elevators can see into the future. And the, the elevators know that pretty soon the whole building's going to be attacked. But they don't want to tell anyone. Um, so he eventually persuades the lift to take him and Marvin up to the floor where the hitchhiker's uh, author, um, owner, director, whatever the word is, yeah, is. And Publisher? so they head over to... Sorry? Publisher, maybe? No, just the owner of the company. Of the oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they're heading over to his office, and, yeah, suddenly uh, the government's police uh, are attacking the building because they've revoked his presidency as president of the universe because he stole the heart of gold, the ship, and now trying to kill him. As you do. And, yep. Yeah. And they found out he was there. And so, yes, they come along with the ships. There's a bunch of, like, killer robots that fly down the corridors. And uh, he turns to Marvin, the paranoid android, and says, Marvin, you've got to stop them for us. Uh, So he heads off to the office, and Marvin is left with this massive killer robot with a massive gun. And Marvin talks to the robot, and he's like, You'll never guess what they left me to defend myself with against a massive killer robot. And the killer robot's like, What did they leave you with? Nothing. It's <laughs> 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 basically the gist of it. And I, he gets just... the killer robot to fire his gun a bunch of times, and then the killer robot shoots at the floor that the killer robot's standing on. It falls like a hundred feet and smashes to pieces on the ground below. I... I, I just little little aside here. Marvin was one of my favorite characters because we I, I haven't read the book obviously, but I've seen the movie. The like the depressed, mm. the, just the depressed android. For a lot of the same reason, my favorite character in Winnie the Pooh was always Eeyore. Yeah, like just because just it's like, don't worry about it, Pooh. It probably would have fallen over anyway. Exactly. Just like, I <laughs> there's something about that just morose kind of character that just ah. Something I'm not sure we mentioned in the first um, book, which they don't include in the film, is that at the end of the first book, um, Marvin talks to a police car, and after a few seconds of Marvin talking to the police car, the police car commits suicide and explodes itself. You mentioned this on the movie night uh, episode, because it doesn't happen in the movie, but you mentioned that that's what happens in the book. And I actually, I like that ending a lot more than what they actually did in the movie, but go on. Um, but yeah, so um, he gets into the office, and then the whole building starts rumbling, because basically what the government have done, have grabbed the entire building and are pulling it off to another planet. Um, and... He was, um, the, the president of the galaxy is told to jump out of the window instead of going out the door when he arrives on the new planet. Mm-hmm. So he does that, and yeah, he's on a different planet, and he's eventually climbs down the outside of the building to the ground and finds out he's on a planet where it's um, there's a machine on it where anyone who 
uses the machine sees the scale of the themselves compared to the rest of the universe. So it sends people insane and essentially kills them. It's the government's answer to euthanasia, essentially. Mm. And... So yeah, he climbed out the window, climbed down the building, and then he just he just follows the disembodied voice into the machine, which is strapped into a cupcake because apparently a cupcake is what's required to have the information the information capacity of the universe within it. Uh, he steps into the machine, and the machine tells him that he is essentially the center of the universe. So he comes out with a bigger ego <laughs> than when he went in. There's, just listening to this, I can't help but every time, like just every one of these plot points, I can't help but thinking of like modern Doctor Who. Not not like the, the new, new, new stuff, but like mm. just everything since they revived it in 2005. Like the them getting into trouble because they're fucking around on the ship, like this whole, you know, buildings being teleported around, the space police coming after some guy because he stole a ship or something. Just, it, it has a very modern Doctor Who vibe, and I'm not sure if those writers aped on this a little bit like maybe they they, they maybe. take a little inspiration from it just a little little thought there uh so he he leaves the building and goes and like steps inside of an airplane that's nearby and it's full of crazy people that have been in the machine and have gone insane mm. and then the 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 creator of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy just steps in and is like so when you entered my office you entered a parallel dimension and by exiting through the window, you stayed inside that parallel dimension where the machine wasn't going to send you crazy. Instead, it's a far weaker effect. Uh, he also ate the cupcake, by the way. Um, and so he just snaps his finger and the dimension ends and it goes back to real reality. And also he had the heart of gold in his pocket in this uh, equivalent dimension or something. Yeah. And so suddenly the heart of gold's back. Uh, they get on board, and the rest of the guys are there, and the um, the guy who owns the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, we need to find the creator of the universe. Mm. He's the one who truly has the power. And Zephod, the leader of the galaxy, says, nah, I want to find a place to eat. <laughs> Computer, find me, take us to the nearest place to have food. Priorities. I like this guy. Yeah. Um, so the computer's like, right, we'll take you to the f- closest place where they serve food. So it takes them to the end of the universe, where the end of the, the, the restaurant at the end of the universe is on that planet. So it took them for basically just a tiny distance away, but in a massively different time. Okay, closest geographically, but not temporally. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so they get off, and there's a bunch of people sitting around having a really nice meal while waiting for the universe to end. Um, there's a cow that comes over to the table and is like, I'm going to be your dinner for today. What part of me would you like to eat? (laughs) (laughs) It's a really fucked up conversation. Um... I'd still have that conversation. (laughs) Well, they had the- they still had the cow. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'd, I'd still eat it. Um... And then they steal the ship of a someone who was <laughs> eating there. Um, and then they find out shortly later that the ship was actually part of a rock concert and it was meant to fly into a sun and explode and it's on autopilot. 
So they'll teleport out of it and leave Marvin on there to just be on the ship. <laughs> just be depressed and oh. potentially blow up again. And when they went to the restaurant in the universe, Marvin wasn't on board the ship at that time. So Marvin waited on that planet until the end of the universe and was like washing the ships for the restaurant. And then they left him on the ship to, to, ship to go into the sun. Um, oh my god. Guy has a right to be depressed. Yeah. Uh, so when they teleport away, because they didn't have any coordinates, they just kind of ended up in different places again. And Ford and Arthur appeared on a... Uh, what would you call... One of those ships that where everyone is in stasis except for like three people who are guiding the ship. Uh, like a colonizing ship. Oh, a generation ship. Well, yeah. no, that's, I mean, yeah, col a colony ship would probably be more accurate. A generation ship is where everyone's awake and basically the people at the beginning, it's their ancestors that reach the destination. So colony yeah, ship is, is like probably a more accurate. sleep thing. Yeah, a colony so ship. they appear on the ship and they see all the, the frozen bodies around them. And they get marched off to the, the captain and the captain's like having a bath just the whole time during the conversation. As you do. And Real power they move quickly right find out that there was, so there was like meant to be three ships sent off from this planet, right? And the captain's like, but it's weird, we only ever saw like our ship leave. And what this planet had basically done was round up all the like uh, barbers, the, um, the the politicians, the a bunch of jobs that aren't 100% necessary for a society mm -hmm. and sent them off on a ship and told them to fuck off, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and the ship was autopiloted to crash into another planet, but not so that everyone died, and they would just be on a different planet and wouldn't be their problem anymore. That... Sorry, just another little sci-fi reference here. This, these, these, I'm gonna, basically my interjection here, because I haven't read the book, is going to be yeah. whenever this reminds me of something else. Um, you know the TV show Farscape? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a pretty good sci-fi show. It started in 1999, wrapped up in 2003. I never right. watched it when it was originally coming out, but a friend of mine recommended it to me if, quite a few years back now. And I watched it, loved it, it was great. Um, one of the best kind of sci-fi writing I've ever seen. Anyway, there's an episode where they go to a planet where 90-something percent of the population is lawyers. Mm. And basically the planet's laws have gotten so far out of control that just, like, almost everyone's a lawyer. And the reason is because, like, even the most minor infraction have, like, crazy laws around it and everyone needs to have a, you know, be a lawyer and have a lawyer and everything like that. That's just what, what that made me think of. So... <clears throat> They crash land on this planet, and like most of the people survive, including Arthur and Ford. Mm. And Arthur and Ford go out and they're like exploring the planet, and they find an indigenous people who are not aggressive to them, but they don't want to. They don't want proximity to other people. Yeah. Um. And then they go back to their their group of people they that landed and survived. And they're trying to make up like a new society. In a, they're just really bad at doing it. <laughs> um, so they go off for like several months and go a little bit crazy because they're on a planet where they have no way of getting off of it. 
and it's literally just a barren well not barren there's like forests and barren but not not barren but undeveloped yeah untamed no civilization on it yeah yeah and eventually they come across a big glacier and Ford's like, oh my god, look at it, look at it, look at it. And Arthur can't see. And then he spots it. It's a signature that says Slarty Bartfast. What they've come to is the origin of the Earth before it was, like, when it was initially made. I... Go on. The name... The name... Slarty, Slarty Bartfast. It sounds... It sounds like if you switched a few letters around, it would be something not good for publication. Yeah. Well, he doesn't like his own name, as it, as it was established in the film. Um, but yeah, so they go back and they realize that the people that they crash-landed with are trying to make a currency system from, like, uh, leaves off of trees. Wouldn't be the so first time in history it's happened. Sorry? I said it wouldn't be the first time in history it's happened. So they're all walking around with, like, leaves stuffed into all their pockets, right? And they're like, as part of our council decision, we can increase our value by burning all the other trees. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so their, first, their first move on a, entering a new planet is essentially to burn all the local vegetation. <laughs> um, and there, there was... There was uh, they put a council together for for creating tools, and they put the barbers to that. And they turned like, like they're like, all right, we've given you some sticks and lots of time. What have you come up with? And they had literally made curling tongs <laughs> as tools. Oh my god! Um, but yeah, so this, part of this... me just like I love that kind of like eighteen uh, hundreds kind of thinking, because mm. that's legit how people solve things in the eighteen hundreds. Like, in the U.S., you know, there, there was, like, the whole uh, wars between the expanding U.S. and different Native American tribes. And their thoughts were, oh, God, they keep raiding us. We can't. You know what? They eat buffalo. Let's shoot all of the buffalo. Like, it's just, or, like, in, you know, in Australia, they had the problem with, like, a certain, like, pest. And they were like, man, how do we get rid of Oh, these frogs eat this pest. Let's bring over a ton of these frogs. And now they these can't get rid of the frogs. frogs. Yeah, now they can't get rid yeah. of the frogs. But I just, I love that, that, like, just straight line kind of thinking. Just damn the consequences. <laughs> we're just going to fucking go for it. Well, they also had one really um, aggressive security officer who immediately declared war on the continent next to them, which hadn't even been inhabited yet. <laughs> and they were like, right, but the moment that some people start living there, we're going to declare war on them, we're going to kick their asses. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, so that's kind of where the, um, the, f the second book ends and moves on to the answer to life, the universe and everything. Yeah. And there is a... So it continues with um, Arthur Dent. And he's obviously had a falling out with Ford. And they've both gone a bit fucking crazy because they've been there for like a year now or so. Um, Arthur's like made his own special bag out of pelts and stuff like that. Hmm. Uh, he's trying to teach the local people how to play Scrabble. He's going for the unique Far Cry experience, you know. Where you, yeah. you you carve up animals into different pelts, do drugs, and do weird things. Yeah, so the the indigenous peoples of the land, in other words, ones that they can't even speak to, 
he's trying to teach Scrabble to. And he has a realisation that, hang on a second, if this is Earth, then are my ancestors the indigenous people or the people that are idiots that crash landed on the planet? (laughs) (laughs) And he's really worried because the indigenous people start dying because of the diseases brought by the new people. And he suddenly realised that his race, his, the entire Earth, is populated by um, their, their ancestors being idiots. I feel like I need to jump in here like a fun little factoid. That's This is something very interesting that's only kind of come out um, in kind of modern studies of like, you know, uh, is anth- anthropology is the wrong word. Uh, where they, they look back and look at like they find fossil records. Right. Uh, it's not archaeology. Um, um, I think it is archaeology. I thought, arche- but ar- archaeology, I thought, was like where you look at um, paleontology. I think it's the, the word I'm looking. Oh, okay. Maybe, anyway, it's one of those things. I'm yeah. not that kind of a scientist. Um, they they've found like a bunch of records, and basically one of the new theories that they have now, and I really think this is a cool idea, is like a few hundred, well, maybe a hundred thousand years ago, but like modern humans. Mm around the time that they were evolving and there were Neanderthals, they, they found that there were actually like a bunch of different human species, like very different ones. So there could have been like actual like dwarves, like Tolkien dwarves and like actual Neanderthals and cave people. And they were close enough that they could interbreed. So the same way that you have like, you know, Great Danes and Chihuahuas and yeah, dogs, yeah. like there were, there were human species that were different enough, but close enough genetically that they could breed and make like mixtures. And um, so this idea of like that you've got the idiot races and then the native race and they're all there and potentially interbreed. It just it it's funny because like if you, g- <laughs> I'm thinking of it from like a Tolkien perspective. You go back to like that period in prehistory and it's like it was almost like Middle Earth. You had the elves and the dwarves and the the, the humans and the orcs and whatever. Not not literally, but you had from different regions of the earth. You had different varieties of human, and there was yeah. there is evidence that they did interbreed somewhat. Like almost all of the other ones died out, and we ended up with a very very narrow, uh, you know, kind of like the humans right now have one of the most narrow genetic diversities of any other race on the planet, like any other species on the planet. Mm. Like dogs, you see, there's a huge variety of them, mm. but humans, like. We basically vary in like eye color, skin tone, and like some minor bone structure and hair color and stuff like that. But for the most part, like we're very, very similar, more similar than almost any other species on the planet. All right, little side note there. Go on. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the running jokes is that the people at Crash Landing keep calling the indigenous people cavemen. <laughs> and Ford is getting an- increasingly angry because. They don't live in caves. They're not cavemen. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of a non sequitur. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, And at one point, Arthur's like... Because as as we found out in the movie, or the first book, uh, the answer to the light universe is in in humans. Yeah. Earth, in Um, particular. It was was like the machine to kind of solve it, right? Yeah, and and but but in theory, the the answer is printed on the brains of humans. Yeah, and so they get super excited, and they're like, "Wait, what if we just like pull random things out of a bag?" And that might be the question because that's me subconscious. That's my subconscious 
taking things and then that could be the answer. As they start pulling all these, these words It's almost out stupid enough to work. The Scrabble bag. And it makes a sentence. And it, it's like... I think the, the sentence is... It's like... What is the answer to seven times five or something? Well, if it's 42, Which it would be seven isn't times even, six. No, no, I know. It isn't even 42. <laughs> it isn't question. even the right one. Seven times five is 32. No, 35. 30, fuck. 35, yeah, yeah. Um, that fucking cracked me up. Um, but yeah, no, I was so honestly, I was expecting it to be like they pull them out and the, the sentence is just like... <laughs> like it's just a bunch it of random nonsense. words. <laughs> oh, um, God. Okay, yeah. Uh, so the one, then one day there's just a fucking sofa appears in a field. And... Kind of like the whale. They... Hold on to that thought, just because relevancy. Um, so they, they get into the sofa, and there's basically a, a time rift thing that's happening. Mm. As they go over, and then they're transported to, uh, like, ten minutes before the Earth ends. And they're in a cricket ground. And this is where cricket becomes very significant in the plot. Of course. Because yeah. it turns out that cricket is not just a... Uh, a human sport. It is the name of a planet which is uh, known for being the least friendly planet in the universe because whilst the inhabitants are very friendly, they loathe any people who aren't from their planet and have gone about murdering everyone else. And they... <laughs> so yes, the planet is called Cricket and they happen to use bombs, and they fire those bombs by hitting them very hard with, with bats a cricket bat. that robots hold, yes. I knew the cricket bat was going to come in here, I was waiting for it. And so it's very insensitive to me mention cricket in any area of Earth. Um, anyway, so the robots appear, they um, kill a bunch of people playing cricket and take the ashes. Do you know what the ashes are? Yeah, it's the whole thing with, it's like, what, Australia and the UK and some kind of cricket tournament or some kind of tournament. Yeah, it's a tournament. I don't know whether this fact is true or not, because I'm not a massive cricket buff, but apparently there's some ashes that symbolise the burning of, uh, like, a cricket stump or something when the cricket was meant to have died or something. Yeah, I've heard... And it's like the cup. Yeah, I've heard references of it in, like, some British media. It's, believe me... It's not something that anyone over here really knows anything about. I only know yeah. about it because I watched, you know, I've watched British TV shows before, and uh, I've anyway, heard people so talk about it. Anyway, so apparently the ashes yeah. themselves are part of a key that unlocks a special dimensional pocket that has the planet of cricket on it. Uh, it's one of the parts of the key, and there's literally fucking parts. Doctor Who. I'm sorry. Yeah, it <laughs> like, is. It's, 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 it's fucking. Uh, what, what's their uh, planet called? Uh, um, Gallifrey. Gallifrey. Well, I kept wanting to say Shambhala. <laughs> um, and Slarty Bartfast is there watching the cricket. So they <laughs> jump in his ship. I'm sorry. That, you just love that name, don't you? you make, that's why you should have named your new Hots account. I, I doubt it would have fit. <laughs> True. Actually, speaking of names that sound like that, um, sorry. Little side note. That's right. Um. So for, for those listening, I know this has nothing to do with the story, but Blue and I were playing Here's of the Storm. I made an alt account to play with him because uh, we were playing on low-level accounts. 
Uh, I forgot I was still logged into that account, logged into StarCraft earlier this morning, uh, and I had to, I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll play a low-level game of StarCraft. Enter your new name for your account. I called it Thunderthuck. That's what made me think of that, was because of the slotty Bartfast, or whatever his name is. Yeah. What, what is his uh, name? Sorry, I can't, I can't say it. You're pretty close, Slotty Bartfast. Slotty just go. Just go. I'm not going to be able to say it. <laughs> um, so, they set off on the ship and they're trying to get, uh, secure the rest of the pieces of the key, which make up essentially a pair of wickets. A pair of wickets? A, wi- a wicket. Uh, the, I don't the play cricket. I don't know what you're trying t- Don't look at me. The thing that you're trying to protect in cricket from the ball. Yeah, those so are So, three wi- stumps and then two bales. I only thought there were two. Okay, go on. Um... And yeah, so part of the, the the I think the bale is the improbability drive that powers the heart of gold. And one of the stumps was um, a trophy that was given out for the uh, oh fuck what was it? It was uh, the the award for the film. With the most gratuitous sex scene, um, and it starred Slutty was Belfast. Actually, meant to be serious. That was it. Wait, and so that was a trophy for that. The film with the most slutty sex scene, where the movie was meant to be serious. Yes, <laughs> and I some like guy at a party it. has it, and he's just like, "I want to see that movie." <laughs> um, and then the last part, I think, was like. Marvin's right leg or something <laughs> Marvin is just stuck on a planet of mattresses and the mattresses live in a swamp yeah. and he's just talking to them just just talking to them for years and years and years, centuries um, he got taken off of the ship by a scrap trader just before it hit the sun and then sold to some people who set up a zoo with him in it or something. And he gave a speech or something. It's very I I, I couldn't keep up with that part right Honestly, I just I, I wanna I wanna just see the movie where it's Marvin. I just wanna see his life. Mm, Marvin the movie. Yeah. Just uh, the entire thing. All beginning of the universe to the end of it. So they go to the the main characters go to a uh, a party where this guy is. Uh the robots appear again take it and then there's a whole thing about god there's a whole there's a whole court scene about how the people of cricket essentially want to blow up the universe <laughs> um the gang somehow make it to cricket and they realize that the people are actually are super friendly and they just have been doing what some random person told them because they didn't really understand what it was that they were doing um, and then Marvin hacks into the mainframe of the robots and let me and guess makes them all depressed. depressed. Yeah, and then none of them want to fight anymore. <laughs> oh, I called that one. Um, and then it's I really struggle with the story on on this on the second half of the third book. Um. The, it, oh, there's like a French guy who 
they were he was he was on trial or something, and then the robots burst in and nudged the surgeon that was implementing the truth serum into him, and he got like four times the amount of truth serum, and then he was put up on the stand, and the people said, uh, "We want you to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth." And then he started just talking about the answer to the, to, to the universe, and what God meant for the universe. Oh my God. Um. And for some reason, he was the only French character in the whole audiobook. <laughs> uh, and he goes a bit mad and and likes and wants to see the frogs. Um, and he's halfway through explaining to Arthur Dent what the question to the universe is. And Arthur Dent keeps asking him to repeat a particular planet's name because it was a really stupid planet's name. Hmm. And the guy just gets frustrated and dies halfway through the sentence. <laughs> Uh, of course. Arthur Dent ends up throwing a cr- uh, having been back on a cricket area and he has a ball and he th- he's going to throw it at a robot then realises that what he's holding is a bomb that will end the universe and so he there's a, a thing throughout the book where you want to in order to fly all you've got to do is miss the ground so what you've got to do is you've got to Go to fall and then get distracted at the last second, and then you'll end up flying or something. He flies away, I, uh, and uh, I, honestly, I can't, the, 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 the day is saved. But fuck knows why. <laughs> there. Hold on. Let, let me know when you finish with that because I it's just what? something that that has this this has made me think of, and I just I've purposely to... left off one scene, but um, uh, that can be talked about afterwards. Uh, well, this is this is more of like a kind of a overarching thing between this and a couple other British forms of media that I've mm. I, I've seen. I don't know if you want to finish up what you're saying and then I'll do that or okay. if, if I should. Just... So this is the kind of thing that I would put in a and d sketch and I think I probably might end up doing. So at some point Arthur Dent is in like this, uh, is divided from the rest of the group briefly and he sees like this demon beast. It starts talking to him. And the demon is like, you, I, I... I shall get my revenge on you, Arthur Dent, because in one of my lifetimes, I was a rabbit, and you skinned me and made a bag out of my pelt. And then he's like, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. And then he's like, and then I came back as a spider, and you stepped on me. <laughs> Just a long and then it's like, series of... It's like 50 lives where this poor creatures come back then Arthur Dent has accidentally in some way killed him again. It's kind of hard to accidentally skin <laughs> someone. And like in different places and different times throughout the universe. And finally the real clincher which was like this has made this the best part of the book. One of the lives he was reborn as a pot of petunias. This is why you were mentioning the whales, and he came back as, and yeah, and it's falling down. And the only thing that went through the pot of Petunia's mind is, oh, not again. <laughs> as he and, saw Arthur Dent's face in the spaceship as he plummeted to his death. And that is why, yeah, okay, yep. 
I yep. fucking love that. That was such a good callback. That oh. is actually that's really good. I love it when they they tie continuity together like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was kind of the third book. There are a lot of details I missed out, but. <sighs> but yeah, the general plot points. I, I yep. do. <laughs> I do really enjoy the way these these stories go, where it's kind of just a little bit haphazard, but it, it has a plot. It's not just random hmm. for the sake of being random. I mean, it does that too, but the story has some coherence somehow. Um, but there is some the the thing that was occurring to me as you were talking specifically about the whole idea that you can fly by just you know uh, what is it missing, missing the, ground. the ground? Yeah. There, there, this is I don't know if this is a British thing, but I. I that is something that feels like I've seen it in well I've heard about it in this now from you. Uh I feel like this was a big thing in in Harry Potter. This was a big thing in Doctor Who. Like just whenever there's some like, you know, plot point that needs to be explained like that or some mechanic that needs to be dealt with, it's just like, "Oh, you just do this. It's obvious." There is no reason for it to be in the story. It just is. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what what that reminds me of in um yeah, in Harry Potter, like, they, uh, there's one, I can't remember what movie it is, but they have this book that's, like, this monster chompy book, and they, they can't figure out how to open it without having it, like, attack them. And the yeah, guy's like, Harry oh, just, just stroke the spine, of course. Yeah, it's Harry like, And then, yeah, yeah, and then in, in Doctor Who, like, they've, they've done other, there's been other stuff like that, too, where, um, like, some alien species did some thing, and the, mm. um... The human characters are like, oh, what about this? And the doctor's like, oh, obviously it's this. And it's just, I don't know. I feel it's like just, that. There's so many fun, random, stupid facts that aren't facts. Like exactly. But that's but that's what I mean. I feel like this this is a British trope. Like because yeah. it's not something I've seen in, and maybe I'm, I'm just haven't seen enough of it. But it's not something I've seen in any like media coming out of the U.S. You know, I've seen a ton of like you know stuff coming out of. You know, Japan and Korea, like movies mm. and TV shows and anime, and I—it's not a trope that I've seen there either. So I'm just—I'm wondering—is this a like a purely pe peculiarly oh. peculiarly British trope? The the the, the one other fact that it was again—it was just a, a nonsense thing, but it was very funny to me. Was that um, interestingly, every species that has traveled to the stars before that happens they first discover how they first discover gin <laughs> and by that i mean they discover a thing which they call gin but it's almost never the same what that thing is i'm assuming you mean the drink and not d j i n no 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 i mean the spelt in the the way that we with a drink. I know, I was just but being sarcastic. They it wouldn't be a drink for all the other races. Or it'd yeah, be it would be it would be something else, yeah. Different. They'd be like, oh look, gin. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, he's I, holding a pair of clippers. Yeah, I was holding a pair of nail clippers up. <laughs> um But yeah, no, oh god, it's just such a good laugh, um, those books. And I got one more to go still. It does sound like fun. I feel like I probably would have I now seeing the movie and now hearing about some of the stuff in the books and you telling me when we went mm. through the movie about some of the differences between the book and the movie, I really do think I would have enjoyed the book a lot more than I did the movie. Um, don't get me wrong, the movie was entertaining, mm. um, but it seems like little bits. 
Mo most of the things that I, you know, didn't like about the movie were things that were created for the movie. Like, um, I didn't mind the, the the scene where they had the to do the fill out of paperwork in the queue. That oh, that was entertaining. That was yeah, yeah. Really good but I'm I'm thinking of like the the ending with the whole like reverse perspective gun thing yeah that was like i would have i would have loved watching the fucking like depressed guy talking to the car and getting it to blow itself that, that would have been funny <laughs> the the perspective gun thing so you know i said there was a machine where you could see your your own perspective against the universe yeah apparently it was invented because this the inventor was looking out his window one day and his wife kept being like why do you keep looking out the window? You you need to just see the bigger perspective and get on with your own work, kind of thing. Yeah. And he was like, "All right, fuck you. I'm gonna make a machine that I can see the bigger perspective." And he plugged her into it, and she went insane and died. And he was like, "But I was right. You shouldn't see the bigger perspective." <laughs> that was his answer to it. I was like, <laughs> "That's awesome." <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. I I could yeah shit. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Mm. Ironically, uh, it's the opposite of the um, perspective thing in the movie. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because it, it really affects the woman, <laughs> as opposed to. Yeah, uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's it. That's all I got for uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy at the moment. Uh, yeah, and you said there was. I I don't remember if you said it after we were recording or before, but you said there was a fourth book, right? Yeah, there's one more book to go. Uh, I'm gonna hopefully read it either this week or the next. Nice. So we can we can do like a we won't do a, like a full segment on that. We can yeah, do like yeah. a, a check in to see how it how it ends up. Mm. Um, but yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's uh, too much more to say about that. I mean, we've basically just gone through the book, commentated on it, and we're also already like 40 minutes into the segment so yeah probably a good enough time to <laughs> probably stop. let's wrap it up oh god i don't know do you want to rate it you want to give your thoughts uh oh, on the second and third books uh second book i would give a 8.42 8.42 really yes <laughs> and the third book i would give 7.5 okay so definitely so third book is is your favorite of the uh, the two that you've just talked about no do you wait second one got 8.42 the third one got 7.5 i heard them in reverse ah smart <laughs> uh, but yes my brain's backwards yeah okay well this, I think, is then going to be the end of episode 83 of the TMCJ podcast. Thank you all for listening, and you will hear us again in two weeks for episode 84. Don't talk to me about life. <laughs> <laughs>